Pod. Pod. The answer to the question everybody wants to know. LeBron, what's your decision? Um, in this fall, man, it's, it's very tough. Um, in this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, join the Miami Heat. Miami Heat. That was the conclusion you woke up with this morning. That was the conclusion I woke up with this morning. You heard it there. That was nine years ago. Can you believe it? LeBron James in front of the cameras, in front of the Boys and Girls Club. He, he got credit for that one later, the money going to charity. But initially, almost nine years ago to this day, LeBron got killed by Cleveland, the national media, Nick Gelso, who's here with us, was all over him back in those days. Doesn't it feel like, like yesterday, Nick? Uh, yeah, it kind of does, but it's just everything is a lot of changes since that that set the wheels in motion, you know. So, and a lot of changes leading up to how it is the NBA today. Thanks, LeBron. This off season has been possibly the craziest ever. If Russell Westbrook moves, I think you can officially declare this the wildest off season of all time. And we're here to talk about and draw parallels to that LeBron decision. Nine years ago this month, I'm Bobby Manning. That's Nick Gelso, as I said, and Joe Sway Pavone, old friend of the show, is with us. Joe Sway. What up, what up? Paul George. Basically, so what we know right now with that epic, epic trade, seven first-round picks changing hands, Paul George landing in L.A. along with Kawhi Leonard, it pretty much seems like... If the Clippers were going to get Kawhi Leonard, they were handcuffed to make that trade. Now, I don't think they have any problem trading George, but when you're in that position, they had to give up so much. And I just couldn't help but connect that to the player empowerment that we're seeing, which is great on some hands, but you see how it's gone this summer. Everybody is just picking their destinations, regardless of where it is, regardless of the establishment in place. And these teams pretty much have to go with it if they want the talent. Yeah, Bobby, it's the craziest offseason of all time, man. And I mean that in a good way. You know, compared to other offseasons that were similar in, in the sense of how many superstar uh, basketball players switch teams, it's it's good in the sense of how well-balanced it is now. You got the Clippers, you got the Lakers, you got, you know, of course, the, the Bucks are going to re-up and, and, and try to capitalize on what they did last year. The 76ers, in my opinion, got better defensively. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. But at least this time around, we're not looking at that one or two teams saying, okay, we can predict the NBA Finals. I don't think we can quite do that yet with all these teams in the mix. And now we have even more excitement for the upcoming season Whereas a couple of months ago, we were kind of predicting a t- one or two teams. Now I think this thing is relatively open for a handful of teams. And the league has tried to attack this proactively. They had the Supermax, which has utterly failed at this point. Anthony Davis wouldn't take it when he got the number one overall pick in his hands. A Kemba Walker, for a Kemba Walker caliber player, no knock on him joining the Celtics this year. But for him to be one of the highest paid players of all time, the way the league set this up to help a market like Charlotte, it looks like it's been a disaster at this point because player after player has passed it up to leave the situation. We just saw Kawhi Leonard walk out of a situation where he's a champion. Can you think of anything that historically compares to that, Nick? Because i got to pull on you to look pre-LeBron James days of this. I, th- yeah, I, I, I think that uh, the closest... Actually, three Celtics are on the top, maybe six players to the shortest period of time spent with their existing championship team after winning the NBA Finals MVP. 
It's like DJ who got traded, Sam Jones who retired, and I can't remember the other. But uh, they were all within uh, months to year to two or three years. Almost Malone is on that list. Uh, Kawhi Leonard's 22 days. 22 days. I, so it's not only have I never seen it, I don't think the NBA as a as a whole has ever seen it. And I, to me, it's uh, – I'm really torn on this because I love Kawhi's mentality. I like how he's anti – the diva drama that we we've all experienced in Boston with Kyrie and over the years with LeBron else, you know, outside of Boston and players today. And Kawhi is so quiet. I love that he duped the media. Nobody knew where he was going. Love that he, he pulled one over on LeBron, but I really, really would have loved if, if he defended his title. I mean, I think Josue Max said it well, yeah, it was a podcast releasing tomorrow with, this is like the week of like examining, the NBA before to the NBA post LeBron era, because we got a Bob Ryan podcast coming out this week. We got Max and Joe Sway and now us, but Max said it perfectly. He, he had an entire, now he's sharing a state with uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. He had an entire country mm-hmm. behind him and that's not enough to keep free agents winning a championship, you know, finals MVP, and having an entire country on your side isn't enough to keep a, a free agent in their in their uh, with their team. And I, I I just have really mixed feelings on it. I could get into it, you know, once you toss it back to me. It's it's I'll a definitely... reckoning for the league because we've seen that they're starting to look ahead at how things are going to be received going forward. They're tossing around ideas to change the All Star game, have a mid season tournament. The Stupid. league is the league is forecasting ways. That in 20, 30 years, they still want to be the power of this thing. But right now, at this very moment, the way they've set this up, it feels like any player on a dime, rookie contract, second contract, if they really aren't happy with the situation they're in, I mean, they can align agents the way they've done with clutch sports. They can threaten to sit out a season, as Davis did. They they can do pretty much anything in their power to try to nudge these teams to... (laughs) move them where they want to be now i don't think we've seen anything too extreme at this point davis probably gave up on a year of his contract which is the biggest extreme we've had durant was a free agent he had a right to go where he wanted to Kawhi as well even as a champion i don't think toronto's hating him going out the door it's just you know how far could this go josue you know where would be too extreme because i don't have a big problem with it right now i think the league's entering a beautiful season of parody ahead it's just, you know, it's it's a rolling ball that could just keep piling up. Yeah, you know, Bobby, it makes you wonder if at some point down the road, whether we're talking five years later or five, six, seven years removed from today, how many teams is the NBA going to be at? You know, is there going to be a point where maybe a couple of teams will have to close up shop and maybe have to be, you know, some sort of expansion draft? You know, because think about it. How many players are going to be shifted around and going to dictate where they want to go? And how many franchises or organizations are going to be left out of complete playoff contention for decades after decades. I mean, you look at the Charlotte Hornets. They're they're done. We're talking 20 years Mm -hmm. removed from a playoff team in that, in that city. Mm -hmm. And they're nowhere near, you know, in the sense of, of trying to rebuild this thing, whether we're talking via, uh, through the draft or, or, uh, um, an attractive destination for upcoming free agents. You know, I think we're almost at that point. 
And how long until uh, Zion, if he lives up to his expectations, how long is he going to be in New Orleans? I mean, uh, the, the, the thing for me, guys, is and it's kind of like an old man, young man, old girl, young girl type thing where – you know, I, I just I I understand the popularity of the NBA, but the NBA is built around markets and cities and fans. Uh, since 2010, have shifted to being fans of and loyal to players and yeah. not cities and markets. And you know, but for the short term, it's great because. Free agency was a blast, even though the Celtics lost Al. Uh, you know, but it was fun. It's like heroin, you know. I never did it, but from what I hear, <laughs> it's fun for the first. I've never done it, but fun for the first hour. But after that, it's hell. And I, I just hope that, you know, years, decades to come, what Josue is saying isn't the case because guys like, you know, Bird and Magic and the doctor and Jordan and David Stern, they were all about expansion, talking about becoming a global uh, league. And they are from a fan base standpoint, but there's certainly no t- teams overseas. I mean, Toronto being the only one uh, outside the country. And now we're talking about contracting. And I, I just it's just not healthy. Every, just everybody not healthy. has a brand that they have to uh, cater to. Nick, and I'm glad you went in that direction because we heard Danny talking at the introduction of the rookies there about Jason, Jalen. I mean, these are guys who have had success in this league, but they're by no means the faces, the superstars of this league. They're going around doing shoe deals. They're traveling the world. They have to film their movies, their commercials. It's getting lower and lower in the rungs of talent in the league, guys, who have this brand that they have to uphold. And I wonder how these franchises, like, I look at Miami even. You know, Miami's a destination city, but they're also a franchise that has had a strong, strong culture in place you know they have a president that you know wasn't letting LeBron fly in his own plane that type of thing when LeBron was there there was that tug and pull between yep. the team and the brand there and now Jimmy yep. Butler's heading down there I'm very interested to see how it's going to go and for a team like the Celtics that isn't in a Miami who has that strong culture that they tie to that they rely on if they have to sacrifice that at all to get the talent Ooh. and talent wins I wonder how they're going <laughs> to grapple with that well, I mean, look at that. This is a good example. If the Celtics culture wasn't as strong as it is and Danny Ainge wasn't as strong as he is as a front office man, Kyrie would have devastated the Celtics this year. I mean, for a while we thought maybe he did and then Kemba comes along but and then and the, the storyline changes. But for for a uh, quite a while. I mean, from March on, my biggest concern, I mean, I got trolled on Twitter like crazy, but my biggest concern is all the Celtics really have is is a long-term history, meaning, I don't mean like, uh, you know, spanning six generations, you're really, or six decades, you're really talking about four decades, and they were 30 years ago. I mean, so if players and fans aren't going to admire and follow that kind of that kind of history and influence on the NBA and et cetera, et cetera, then the Celtics, the value really doesn't become the value was always the banners and the, the numbers in the rafters and who came before them. Everything I saw this season past didn't seem to matter. And, and Kyrie could, could have really put a, 
a real real dent into that by the way he handled that, especially you know the 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 misdirection in every which way possible. Uh, the fan base, I, I've never seen the fan base so fractured. I mean, not in the not in the Patino years, not in the in the ML car, or even 2006 when they were losing. 19 straight games. Well, let I mean, me this has been the worst. Let me put a proposition out for Joe Sway right yeah. now because this is where I want to frame this in. There was the story out there. I think it was Howard Beck who said that this has been in the making between Irving and Durant going yeah, back God. for a while. I got to mute myself, guys, because I can't keep my mouth shut during it. I'll comment after Joe Sway. I got to mute myself. <laughs> so, I'm going to interrupt. So th- this is just one of the millions of developments we've had since we've re- last recorded here is that Durant... Irving, these guys reportedly, even though they threw it back in the media's face and complained and complained about them getting filmed in the All-Star locker room, this has been in place for some time. Now, the silver lining for this from the Celtics' perspective, as we talk about all this location, 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 is that if it went well for Kyrie in Boston, it could have been Kyrie and Durant with the Celtics. Now, we saw Durant tear his Achilles in the NBA Finals, and all of us just sat there and said, all right, this guy's still going to get a max contract, when that was just incomprehensible before. Now, Joe Sway, if if the Celtics were in that position, you know, they got this team they like, say last year goes well, so now they've had two straight seasons of a team that they really like, they want to keep together, Kyrie wants to stay, but all of a sudden... Durant, with his torn Achilles, comes along and says, I want to be part of this too. Me and Kyrie want to play here. you got to trade all these guys. Let's say it's Smart, Brown, whoever, to make space for him. Do you do it? Do you cater to what these players want? Or do you uphold your you know, team standards that you have in place there? Danny Ainge, who's been trying to get back to that level of competing for championships, I, it wouldn't shock me one bit to see him pull the trigger on a deal like that. Of course, he'd have to have a promise from both of these guys locked in for you know max max years four years or so yeah i see danny doing that and, and that's just even I mean, with the torn achilles even with the torn achilles yeah i mean i don't see him uh, like okay the kimball walker situation like it's so hard to go back and, and say the what ifs but the kimball walker situation if, if that's still on the table i mean i think it'd be hard for him to sort of look at look at both sides and say you know what why don't we just go with kemba and, and, and see what happens from there. I mean, I just see Danny as somebody who's going to say, all right, this is going to put us in a good situation. We're considering things went well the this, this season prior, right? Let's say hypothetically uh, the Celtics bowed out in the Eastern Conference Finals against, the, uh, against the, the Raptors. I think he's looking at the situation and saying, all right, if I can hold on to either Jalen or, or, or Jason Tatum, then I got a shot here alongside Kyrie Irving, and the year after we'll wait for, for Kevin Durant. I mean, it's really hard to say if it would be definitive for someone like for someone like Danny H to pull a trigger or something like that. But I just think the 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 allure of it would be hard for him to turn down. And I think that he's been a guy who's been drooling over Kevin Durant for years now. I mean, we can this thing goes back to before he traded for for, right for Kevin, Kevin Garnett and and you know he got he got hit with a tampering fine you know for for talking to uh, Durant's mom you know before years before he was called the real she was named the real MVP you know this is back <laughs> this is back in 07 so I'm mean, considering that and considering it's Danny Ainge I do see him doing that is that the right move mm, I don't know man I'm probably on the fence here and thinking that he's better off moving on considering what we saw unfold with Kyrie Irving and the way he leads I agree with you Joe Sway and Nick 
I, I certainly think mm. you're going to agree with us, too, on that, that Ainge is going to go for the talent no matter what, no matter what he has to sacrifice on the team here. Now, as the Celtics grapple with this new reality, what happened to them last season, wh- where does Brad Stevens fall in on that? Because I think he's thrilled with this team that they have coming in, the young guys that they have coming in, getting last year's failure behind them. But eventually, if they want to contend for a championship, they're going to have to have those top-tier guys around. And... You know, Stevens didn't want DeMarcus Cousins back when he was in his prime. That's what seems to stop them from getting in on that discussion with uh, Sacramento way back when. You know, it didn't go well for Stevens last year with the Stars managing that type of thing. You know, Ainge will want these guys. Will Stevens want to sacrifice for these guys if we throw that same scenario back at you? You know, let's step back a second. Just wait. You just mentioned that that Ainge got slapped with tampering in 2006. Correct. Uh, do we? Does anybody have any comments on the amount of tampering that went on uncharged this this off no, this entire season? I mean, <laughs> I think that the commissioner, who I'm, uh, you know, I I have a tremendous amount of respect for his intelligence. Uh, but dude, like, if I could bring David Stern back, I would today because. That the instead of the, that the commissioner thinking about gimmicks to take our minds away from the fact that the players are running the league and there's tampering everywhere, everywhere, we're going to start doing and there's talent clustering everywhere. I mean, we're sitting here talking about a distribution of talent across multiple teams to make multiple teams potentially championship contenders. I mean, but if you really look at it, it's five teams, six maybe out of how many? Thirty. So yeah, I, don't know, how, how well, I don't know how well they're distributing talent. And, you know, the, the tampering situation, I mean, how did L.A. I, – I just don't understand. I, I don't want Anthony Davis. I didn't want him from the beginning. But I just didn't understand how that could possibly come to fruition after everything that's come to light about Rich Paul and – Hey, and here's the thing, Palenka. though. If we're talking, yeah, if we're talking tampering – that Celtics Kemba deal, I, that was done. I want to say a week before that moratorium opened. So the Celtics are well, in on as that was too. The Al Horford deal. I mean, the Al Horford situation was going on long before, whether it was posturing or it was true. In order for Al to get the offer that he did, if that even really occurred, you know, with that mis- supposed mystery team, that's tampering. Hey, that, I mean, that, that one's easy it, for me. And Ainge said this a couple weeks back. Just put free agency the day after the finals. There's yeah, no backdoor deals. Okay, so then next next year it's going to be free agencies right after the trade deadline. I mean, how long is this going to go for? It should be before the draft, no question, because it, it, it definitely changes the way you draft things. But I'm not going to harp on about this, but I, I just it's just one of many things that, again, short-term fix, NBA looks great, long-term I don't know, man. I'm going to tell you, I don't know. And uh, you guys are talking about what ifs. I'm going to tell you who's going to be given the biggest what if 10 years, 15 years from now. It's going to be Kyrie Irving when he retires with one championship, you know, and being a basically known as a a roaming player, you know, you know, who goes from team to team because that that's not going to change either. And Kevin Durant, I don't know. I wouldn't do it. I, I would think after this season. Uh, Ainge wouldn't do it either because he had an opportunity to uh, bring on a healthy Anthony Davis and try and do what he did with Kyrie and convince him, and he didn't do it. So, you know, he wouldn't move Tatum, and you'd think that they would have made – listen, 
I saw what happened to Dominique Wilkins. Today on the Sports Hub, they were talking about it happening when he was 21. It didn't. It happened when he was 31. And from that day, I watched that game on TV. From that day forward, he was never the same. Kevin Durant with those knees, the miles on his legs, and now the torn Achilles at his age. He's still going to be an all-star, but he's never going to be the player he was. Uh, so I'll move on to Brad. You know, so, you know Stevens must but be you, in You lose now. Kyrie in that case. So we'll go back to that hypothetical. Durant, Kyrie want to team up. They say, all right, we run the league. We have the keys here. Kyrie's leaving if Durant's not coming. Do you do it? Yeah, no, you don't do it. You let them go. Dude, I mean, what do you want? Like, what more do people want? You know, I mean, you're going to have one and one signed or two with a player option. It's going to be every two to three years, the LeBron uh, fear factor. And it's just, I didn't like it in Boston this year. I think it hurts the culture and it it hurts the, the franchise. And no, I don't do it. I I think I honestly think the Celtics are in a better situation than um, anywhere close to uh, New Jersey, Brooklyn, even with with uh, KD next year. I, I think to, Kyrie's going to stomp. They're going to they're going to get off to a strong start. Everybody's going to be saying what a great leader Kyrie is, and then the first bump in the road, it's going to be the same BS. And you know, it's predictable. It's been seen on teams that were contenders with, with the Cavs every year, and. Durant, I mean, you're putting just two pieces of tinfoil. They're the softest two players, uh, stars, that I, I've encountered. If I have one more fan tell me the media chased them out of town, it's going to drive me nuts, and then they go to New York. I mean, it's just it's just insane. So Brad Stevens, I think he is probably, a, like, you know, I got, you know, God willing, you win the lottery. You could now sleep in for three or four days. I doubt Brad's doing that. He's probably on tape all day, but just looking at his – and Josue, I'll throw it back to you because you were there. But looking at his uh, facial expression all through the season and then culminating with Game 5 in Milwaukee, looking at him even on draft night when it was still not 100% uh, a given what was going to happen, and then looking at his posture, his facial expressions, his demeanor, his attitude, and his comments um, when they introduced the rookies knowing what was going to be coming, I think he's so relieved it's not even funny. I mean, you know, and, and where what blame falls on Brad a lot, but you don't know what blame also falls on Wick. No one's mentioning Wick Grossbeck in all this. You know, who knows? Maybe Wick pushed for this. I don't know. Just saying. No one handled it well. The Celtics didn't. Brad didn't. Teammates didn't. And the fans were the only people that lost. So. But you got to give him props for the recovery, though. I mean, this is like, well, we'll see. you can't ask for a better recovery. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. We'll see. I'm not calling this team a championship contender, but here's I think the if you thing, look at Here's the thing about happened. Kemba and a player like Kemba. I think we've seen this summer even, he got bumped up into that price range of the upper echelon stars because of what he was able to do there in Charlotte, the all-NBA team and all the rest. He's still one of those all-star level guys who aren't superstars in this league. And I think what we still see with them is that they'll go anywhere. They'll go where there's a winning environment. They'll go where they're getting the max contract. Even the Bogdanovich guy who reached that level borderline with Indiana, he just went to Utah. So those kind of well, guys are up, still look going. Look that team, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can say that, Bobby, but at the same time, you're talking about, again, star players who aren't considered stars or superstars because of the markets they're in, because the NBA no longer supports 
small market teams. Michael Jordan would have, as cheap as he is, he would have made the worst mistake giving Kemba the Supermax. Not just for Kemba's career, but, you know, for the fact that the Hornets would never, that would, they would give away all they have. I mean, it's just, it's a joke. I think that Kemba Walker is going to be an all-star this year, and he's going to be, you know, considered, and I don't think he's going to change quite so much. I think it's just there's going to be, instead of one nationally televised game or two nationally televised games where he smokes Kyrie Irving and the Celtics, it'll be 20 nationally televised games, so everybody's going to be talking about him. I mean, and that's just the way of the NBA today. I couldn't be happier with, with – you can't be happier with the recovery, Josue. I agree with you, but at the same right. time, you know, you don't know what's going to happen once the season starts. It, they still it, need a big – there's a lot of a lot of uh, holes there. I'm worried about that team. On, on the bigger picture, I think we're all just lucky that Kawhi didn't choose the Lakers because that would have really sent things in a horrific decision. I mean, we would have been having an emergency podcast right here instead of one a few <laughs> days later if he chose L.A. And I thought the cool part about that and why I still like this player empowerment thing a little bit, especially judging with the system they're in, the you know power – mismatch that there is between billionaire owners and these millionaire players i i love how kawaii hoodwinked the lakers a little bit did you see the report Josue, that he he wanted them to hold back on the davis trade to keep that space open for them you know the lakers weren't signing any free agents you look at what they have now rajan rondo's back on that team danny green starting for them and this team had as much cap space as anybody to throw around they didn't do anything because they were holding out for Kawhi. Kawhi had his eyes on them, but also on the Clippers, knowing that he'd be competing with the Lakers. And so he just drained them of their talent while he all along might have been aiming to go to the Clippers and having another star joining him. And he was just trying to leverage that. I thought that was a very cool thing that happened and set up some real good parity this year. Yeah, absolutely. He played them. And it's funny because it's, <laughs> if you just look at the kind of guy he is and his track record, I mean, the Lakers, I, I know it's hard to say because everyone was so tight-lipped about this whole thing, but the Lakers should have sort of seen the writing on the wall here. It's like, okay, can we really picture someone like Kawhi teaming up with LeBron James? Well, they saw and, they and, saw and, Davis falling. <laughs> I mean, come on. on a minute here. This is the, this is the how, Dynasty how Slayer. You... Okay, Kawhi Leonard is going to join the dynasty it. after slaying two of them? Absolutely not. I mean, seeing the Clippers How? situation, I would just I, the only thing that was that was in my mind was who else is he going to play with? Because if he's not playing with someone else, I could still kind of see him doing it, but why not just stay in Toronto? And then, boom, the Paul George story. I mean, what a bomb from Woj and, of course, everything that just transpired that night. It was, it was perfect. That well, was here's nuts. the thing. Yeah, like, I looked at Paul George. I mean, I just, Kawhi is a disappointment he's not defending his title, but I look at Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and I say, if that's the future of the NBA, we're probably healthy because nothing leaked. Everything was tight-lipped. Didn't have to hear anything about the Woj bomb. Like, come on already. You know, I mean, like, just come on. You don't that. like the Woj bomb? No, it annoys me to no extent because he's getting tipped off on all this. It's just, and he's, I'm not going to get into Woj. Here's the thing. Yeah, I, about to. Like him, want but to, I liked him a lot better when he wasn't with ESPN. But the point is, they did it, and they made an educated decision. Do you want to go and play for LeBron James or for Doc Rivers, who's a proven coach to prove or to manage personalities? You know, I mean, to me, I go play with the Clippers. 
the, the Lakers do not have – I don't care what you all say. They do not have a coach. They do not have a front office. It's a perfect situation for LeBron. But no one wants to get – at least these guys are, are mature enough to say, we not only do we have a better chance to win uh, with the Clippers, but at the same time, we don't have to have this circus. around. We witnessed it, Joe Sway. It ain't pretty. That's the other side of this. It wasn't the Knicks who won this. It wasn't the Lakers who won this. Now they got their Davis, but you come out of this as the Clippers with Kawhi, and you're the big winners in L.A. That's going to be awesome, the amount of heat, drama that's going to be going on down the hall in that arena this coming year. And it's going to be a great year for a lot of different cities. I know you only said you know five teams are in competition for the title, Nick, and that might be true, but that's way more than what we've seen in the last five years, that's last sad. decade or so. No, no, it's a- exciting but that's sad it's exciting the la situation I mean, what did i tweet out the other day man like are they gonna play are there gonna be any nationally televised games before 10 30 p.m eastern this year because <laughs> everything's out and i i'm listen i'm a fan too i want to see the clippers destroy the lakers and lebron it's going to be very fun but oh that lakers team kind of stinks you look down that roster after well, now those LeBron top wants two. To play point guard <laughs> Bobby. Now he wants to play point guard. So, you know, now he wants to be Magic Johnson. So not only is he going to be the coach, he's going to be this, you know, he's already a point forward. Now he's going to be the point guard. He's going to be the GM. All he's got to do is leave his wife and, and go with Jeannie Buss. And, you know, he owns the team too. So I, I, I LeBron posted that picture of him giving the jersey to Davis, the number 23. And that's the only reason the Lakers even have a, you know, relevant franchise going into this year Joe Sway and I looked at him and I'm just like this is the promoter outside the club who walks up to you puts his arm around you makes you feel great <laughs> just to get you to pay the 20 bucks and come into the club and that's exactly what he did with Davis out there come join come join the Rich Paul crew come out to LA we'll get this done for you and it was it is great to see that blow up in their face because honestly your third best player going into this year is Danny Green. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and you the thing about it is, is just the way they have a bonafide. I mean, Rondo could run that team. I could see Rondo and Davis. They re-signed Rondo and McGee after that was the clown show I mean, last year. They they so, should have brought back Beasley too. So LeBron is going to play point guard, and Rondo's probably going to come off the bench. Maybe that's where Rondo should be at this point. I don't know, but. From past experience, Rondo and and Davis would be pretty lethal. I mean, I don't know why you would put a experienced veteran on the bench. I I don't know. Especially when LeBron's going late in his career, this is where he needs to wind things down. And it feels like they're going to lean on him more than ever to just carry everybody else around and produce everything for them, which is just such a massive mistake. Player empowerment, we veered away from it a little bit, but that's Nick Gelso, that's Josue Pavone. We had to talk about it. It's such a pressing issue for the league going forward, and this is Half Check Stole the Pod. We'll talk to you guys again soon.